Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. All right, let's go. Fit him to the beast. The beast? Wait, there's a beast? Hold on. Move it. Listen, that guy's not even an officer, all right? He was lying. Quiet. Don't care. The second 20 of Solo, A Star Wars Story, picks up with Han just having been tossed into a, a pit where uh, something uh, called the Beast lives. Uh, and we very quickly learn that, of course, that Beast is Han's future best friend, Chewbacca. Uh, there is a little bit of aggression between the two of them, but very quickly Han uh, is kind of able to subdue Chewie by speaking uh, Wookiee, I guess, is the language. Uh, and they sort of create this theatrical... Uh, display for the guards outside to uh, kind of insinuate that Han is being murdered by Chewbacca when in fact they're uh, creating, uh, I guess, a, a breakaway. Yeah. So as opposed to beating the hell out of Chewbacca, beating the hell out of Han, Han convinces Chewie to beat the hell out of the pillar that's holding the cage together. Right. Uh, and so Chewie beats that up. He destroys it. It collapses, and he throws Han out of the pit and climbs out himself. Uh, they go separate directions, but that doesn't really work because they're literally attached together. Uh, and Chewie is significantly stronger than Han, so he's dragging Han through the mud. Han has to convince him, no, I know some people here that can get us off this rock, and he goes to hunt down the three outlaws that he found earlier uh, in the army who were posing as Imperial cadets, and then from there, he flags down their ship as they're escaping, and they decide, you know what, let's add to the crew. So there's a, there's a, a shower sequence aboard their, aboard their ship, uh, there's a little bit of bonding. It's kind of tense. It's pr pretty serious, but also kind of quippy. There's an eventual campfire sequence where they discuss the heist they're going to do the next day. They go over some of the plans, and then uh, it's go time. Yeah, so the heist begins. What they're doing is they're going to be robbing a train for coaxium. Uh, they kind of get the AT hauler. They hover over top of the train. They all jump down. Uh, they realize that the score is indeed there, but some range troopers uh, decide that they're going to uh, make this a little bit difficult for our outlaws. Uh, the outlaws are able to disconnect the train to be able to get away from the range troopers, and then a marauder, Enfys Nest, swoops in. Right, and uh, it doesn't really go so well from there. Basically, no, it doesn't. It basically seems like the only way to, to break away... Well, I guess I kind of left with the fact that... Uh, that Rio gets shot in the shoulder. He eventually dies. One of Emphis' crew boards the ship to kill Rio, and Han takes Rio's spot at the pilot seat. Yep. The same thing happens for, uh, is her name Val? The same thing happens for Val. She kind of gets disarmed, and then eventually her only uh, way out is to blow up the bridge, which in turn blows herself up as well. Uh, and then Han makes the call to let everything go uh, so that he and Beckett and Chewie can get away. And uh, is, that, is that all who's left? Yeah, Han doesn't really fully understand the ramifications of why this coaxium is so important. Uh, Enfys Nest is able to hijack half of the cables. And so Han and Enfys Nest are pulling the cables of the car in different directions. And they're either going to crash into a mountain or they're going to let this go. They let the coaxium go. It creates a massive explosion. But as a result, Beckett has now lost his best friend and the woman he loves for no reason. And now he owes Crimson Dawn, an intense gang, the equivalent cash of a hundred, uh, I guess, tabs or vials of coaxium and so he's very frustrated with han but there's a little uh back and forth and basically han convinces him no let's go to to dryden voss this uh, scary person you keep talking about and we'll see if we can straighten things out and then things are a little bit better between them yes 
next to 20. I got to say, the the action sequence, which of course is the train heist, mm. is very special for Star Wars because so rarely is there something that's so intense in Star Wars that isn't either uh, a mano a mano lightsaber duel mm. or a space war. Like this is, in many ways, this harkens back to the Western nature of Star Wars and the cowboy nature of of Han Solo himself mm. because... Uh, with with the the frankly with the demise of westerns in film genre in general mm. we don't really get to see train heists anymore no and this is like it's so well done i absolutely love this entire sequence and i mentioned to you right before this how i think it's such a superior heist to Kessel that it's such a shame that it's it not the more because it's brighter it's a way cooler atmosphere uh, and environment although the black hole in space is cool I have to say the explosion that they do to destroy the mountain is incredible it is they could have done some cool sound editing to make it even cooler like seismic charges style cool um, it, they really really could have made this uh, carry a little bit more weight this train heist but I like what you mentioned about it being a western and I particular found this kind of sequence it harkens back a little to Return of the Jedi and Jabba's sail barge because it's really one yes. of the only other times in all of the series that you get like you mentioned that kind of rough and tumbling uh battle that is not in space and it is not a duel yeah uh, but it's kind of a little bit more of a, a western shootout and you get that a bit on Jabba's sail barge. Well, and we're literally is... walking on the roofs of a speeding train trying to steal something. That Ooh, which is just... so, like... It's straight out of a Western. Absolutely. Which... It's, it's a cool train. There's also something, like, remarkably practical about the, the view the of the effects. The design, well, it almost looks like... I love the design of the train. It's so cool. The design is really cool. Like, it's a double-decker train. There's one car on either side mm. of the, on the bottom and the top so of the track. Cool. It's amazing. Like, like a monorail, I guess. Um but just uh, like the the cinematography of it almost looks like uh, Wes Anderson. There's the mountain itself. Yeah, almost looks like uh, you know how Wes Anderson just leans into the skid when it comes to use a small model and make it look big, mm -hmm. which of course is something that Star Wars didn't necessarily pioneer but revolutionized. Definitely. And this kind of looks like that in a way that seems deliberate and shameless, and it's awesome. I didn't notice that, but yeah, that would be of course because. Yep. That is just, that goes back to what we are used to seeing with Star Wars. And so many of these things, I mean, we all forget what a lot of these things originally were. And it was just hunks of junk put together to kind of look like something. Right. I mean, there's literally like a sneaker and a potato in the asteroid field <laughs> in Empire Strikes Back. Like, they really just threw a bunch of shit that they possibly could. So I'm cool with some of the newer movies having some cheesiness to them even in some of the practical effects now i have a few thoughts about the deaths of val and rio oh so do i i really like rio as rio a character. is i love him some people find he chats a little too much but i think he's great everything he says is gold it's so funny oh a girl tell us about the girl hon is she nice does she have sharp teeth i just want to say some things sure. about the deaths of those characters because the the big issue I have with Beckett is that he's sad for a sec, and then he very quickly gets over the death of his wife. Right? There are they married or like? His, They're not married. They're his, outlaws. Yeah, They're, his partner. Yeah. Uh, he very quickly kind of moves past that, and there's really there's one mention of Val a little bit later on. And he's like, oh, thanks. Uh, and then Rio's never mentioned again. So I find that kind of weird. Uh, Rio dies from a a gunshot to the shoulder, which seems low stakes for Star Wars. You still with us, brother? Yeah, okay. Just Nick one of my shoulders. It's nothing. He's not okay. 
even though he's like a weird little uh, Ardenian, like it seems like he should have been able to push through that for yeah. Star Wars. It's a shame because both characters, they tease you that they're going to flesh them out. And yeah. that they're going to become characters that you can like. I, like, I fell in love with Rio right away. Val was like a badass. Like I really was like, ooh, I want to see more. Right when she was dying, and I was like, when she did the very cool like uh, grappling move and the way she was taking out some of the um, some of the droids, it was very very cool. And then of course it's just like, oh okay, well we lose these two characters. I th- the main goal here is to show the stakes. Yeah. To Han, it's for Han to really become aware as to the world that he's playing in, and that he needs to kind of toughen up a little bit, and that Beckett is someone who is a bit of the anti-Han in that at the at the end, Beckett can put it aside. Beckett can be cold and push on with the job for himself. I'm so glad you said that, though, because that's exactly where I'm going. Oh, perfect. I, th- I, think, I think there's value in making the audience hurt in teasing you with the development of these interesting characters and then killing them off sooner than you would expect. Mm. But I think a better way to illustrate that Beckett is the anti-Han is to have him, is to keep those characters around and have him kill Val and Rio. It gets down to it, and he has nothing else to do, and he does a gutless, horrible thing. And then Beckett feels like the villain that he never really feels like in it. It doesn't really hurt when he betrays Han. It doesn't really go, how could you? You're just like, oh, yeah, okay. Because he's still Woody Harrelson. But if he does a piece of shit thing, it would have been higher stakes for the story. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're talking about this in reverse order, then if we make Vandor the final one... You can get that. You can accomplish that by having them die a little bit later and then maybe have it so that Beckett chooses the money over the team. Yeah. Uh, And that would maybe work a little bit better. But I also think it's, I don't know, there is a bit of a cautionary tale to be said there that your, like even your friends won't necessarily be able to make it all the way through. And so it's, uh, there is something to be said because if Beckett does the turn on them, then he's not going to be doing the turn on Han. Right. And so they obviously had a very clear image on what they wanted to do there. But if they wanted to make it a little less obvious, then they wouldn't have been able to cast Woody Harrelson. I, I And guess he's damn so. good. So I get why they did it. I guess he just kind of feels like Woody Harrelson to me. Yeah, but that's because Woody Harrelson's good in everything he does. But at the same time, you can still tell it's him. And you still know that there's a chance that he's going to be one of those characters. Right. Well, now, when we talk about uh, his eventual betrayal, at the campfire sequence, Val says a thing about how he often trusts or puts his trust in the wrong people. And I wondered if that was a foreshadow. Yeah, probably. I think that would be a foreshadow for Han being like him and him putting trust into Beckett. I'm sorry, into Dryden Voss and a lot of things. I mean, it's just he's a shady character. But then again, it also shows that none of them can be trusted because Enfys Nest, and it's very well believed that Beckett knows it, that Enfys Nest is a woman. Right. And that Beckett knows that they're the actual villains and that she's the good guy, but none of them, none of the rest of them do necessarily. Okay. That's kind of how I view it in the sense that Beckett does have that bit of information and that Enfys Nest, he knows is a good person and is literally just trying to steal from criminals. Right. Whereas... I think he maybe paints it in a different light. And so I think that could be, to a degree, there could already be a little bit of manipulation going on here from Beckett as to what information he's willing to share. So Okay. Do you want to talk about Chewie? Uh, Actually, I want to talk because you just mentioned the campfire sequence. And because there's a little moment in there, and I find it's a really important one. Um, 
because Star Wars is campfire stories. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really cool. Like 3PO telling the the story of, of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia to the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It fits for Star Wars and the way in which like everybody as a kid plays Star Wars and creates kind of their own things. So I liked it being around a campfire and Rio asking questions to Han and Han getting his DL-44 and Chewie talking about how he wants to go back and his family being enslaved by the Empire. I just thought it was a very powerful sequence that's important for Star Wars as like a fan perspective because you can almost see yourself sitting around that fire with them yeah i think that's true yeah i just i kind of i, I liked it for that matter and also because it does add some weight to chewy's story uh, and you do get to see a little bit about them what was he saying he said the wookies were enslaved by the empire taken off Kashyyyk. i don't know how to feel about the chewy backstory it bugs me because it's like it's it's nice to know that he has these emotions, and I know we're going to run into some more Wookiees later, and that's going to be kind of a, a, a compelling issue for Chewie. Uh, but he doesn't ultimately go save the Wookiees at the end of this movie. Like it's just kind of like he's supposed to be he's supposed to be in search of his tribe, and instead he finds Han. And I guess that's nice because Han becomes his family. Mm, but, but like, what about all the other enslaved Wookiees? Chewie has a kid and a wife. Whoa, I didn't <laughs> know that. Yeah, bullshit. So- Chewie actually does go, after Return of the Jedi, he does go back to his family. Okay. Uh, And so him and Han still stay, like, close, and so they still do their adventures here and there, but Chewie does move back to Kashyyyk for a time, and um, he kind of helps reunite some Wookiees, and he goes back to his family. But a lot of people were expecting the life debt sequence, because this was a very famous part of canon, was that... Uh, Chewbacca was, sorry, not canon legends, that Chewbacca was an Imperial prisoner, check that box, and that Han freed him, check that box, but that in doing so, Wookiee culture requires Chewbacca to owe Han his life, and it's a life debt, and that Mm -hmm. he is, he serves Han above anyone else, and that once he's able to go back to his family and tell them that, like, hey, I've got this gig, I can, but he is not to leave Han, and that is what is respected in the way but let's wookies are odd creatures it makes it kind of makes sense for them to have a bit of a a code like that but they didn't explain dick of that in this and they do too many things that try and set up for a sequel like chewbacca kind of going back to help that wookie later on and then coming back to han but then nothing really coming of chewbacca going back to his family i don't love that uh that legends story about wookies like they might have a weird culture or whatever but that kind of puts this ugly enslavement black mark on the friendship that is supposed to be pure yeah i i agree with that as well i forget the way that they've done it in a way that obviously isn't that in in a sense his employee or his pet yeah it's not seen like that at all but it's it's more of a like no, 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 go back to your family. No, 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 I'm your partner now. I mean, it's better than what George envisioned for episode three. About, oh, about oh, how Jesus. Han, young Han, baby Han is adopted by Chewie. by the Wookiees. That's terrible. That would have been fucking awful. Sometimes I don't even know if he believes what he's saying. Some, I think some of it's trolling for yeah, sure. I think it must be, eh? He would be a troll. But, I mean, then again, it's George Lucas, so who knows what goes on in that mind. Right. Okay, so when we're in the dungeon, speaking of, of Chewie. Yes, I find it a little odd that Han, for the first time ever, speaks Wookiee for real. Yeah, I speak a little now. Just listen to me, you I don't think he needs to speak Wookiee. 
Because it's already established that Chewie understands English. It is. It's established through all of the original trilogy. That now, I guess Han they can communicate. Young the Han other doesn't way. know that, maybe. Yeah. So he's like, Rrr. yeah. But let's think about this. Yeah. What's more likely, hundred and ninety-five year old Chewbacca being able to understand English, or twenty-two year old Han Solo, who's grown up in the slums of Corellia, able to speak with a Wookiee? Yeah, I find that so annoying. That's completely ridiculous. That makes no sense. I'm going to ask you my... Uh, well, it's a, it's one of those Mary Sue things that we talk about in Star Wars. It's how he's just so good that he knows how to do this just to get himself out of this tight spot. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work because we're also so used to Han talking English to or basic to Chewie and Chewie just understanding that. Now, I get it, it's him trying to get his attention and be like, hey, let's have a conversation here. But... At the same time, it doesn't line up with the rest of Star Wars, so I don't like it. Uh, I just want to ask a Padawan question just so I can get it out of the way with. Okay. Um, but uh, what is the language that Wookiees speak? Is is it not either Wookiee or Kashyyykian? No. Okay. It's Shriwook. Oh, I have heard that before. Shriwook. Okay. Yeah, so I just wanted to throw my Padawan in there so in case they mentioned it. Since, since you brought up trivia... All three of my trivia questions are master level questions. Oh, great. <laughs> but one of them could be maybe a, a night question. Certainly no Padawan questions. But uh, since we're on the subject, uh, what does Han call Chewie in the dungeon to rile him up? Oh, he calls him, this is amazing. He calls him um, a Kashikian moof milker. Yeah. Are you sure it's not moof nooker? I think it's a. I, I heard moof milker. Okay. You tired, you mangy Kashikian moof milker? It, it just kind of sounds like Nerf Herder either way. It's just this like weird Star Wars sounding like like dorky insult, but it, it works. Yeah, it really works. I, yeah. I, I thought milker just because I was thinking like blue milk or green milk. It probably is now that you mention it. Maybe a moof is that thing that Luke uh, like uh, milks on uh, Octu <laughs> and. Who's the real moof milker here? Yeah. Uh, do you want some more questions? Well, I may as well pound through the three trivia. Okay. What instrument does Beckett insist he's going to learn how to play? The valachord. I'm glad you. I'm glad you caught it because I didn't. Oh, really? <laughs> I figured you'd probably catch it. Oh yeah, I caught that one just from the very first time because val and valachord. Ah, uh, is it a stringed instrument? Uh, I think it's supposed to be like a violin, and it's just that it's. I think it's a bit of a representation of his. Uh, inability to ever settle down because val the val accord the life that he will never actually have that's a really nice observation okay so he you think that it's an not an accident that it's called a no. val accord no i don't think at all i think it's very much the sign of oh i'll go learn to play the val accord it's this like, a, like when a man settles down he goes takes piano lessons and he and he reads books and lives with his wife yeah it's it's him talking about just like a going off into the sunset that he just knows will never happen. But he thinks it will. She doesn't believe it will. She doesn't believe it will. And he f finds out in a couple in a day that it, it won't. Right, exactly. And that, and that kind of what jades him to everything. Yes. Okay, what do you got for me? Uh, so I gave you my, I gave you my paddle one question. Yes. Uh, what is the name of the train? Oh, I don't know. The Polar Express. <laughs> the Hogwarts Express. It's uh, an Imperial Conveyix. Okay. Oh, conveyix. That's what the... All right. Yeah, that's what the... Just kind of one of those Vehicles words. called. Yeah. Are there people aboard this thing, or is it just like a, I a think cargo, it's a cargo ship. train, yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. You're right. Yeah. All right, my final master question for you. What is the best kind of day on Ardinia? It's nuts. 
The best kind of day? Yeah. Uh, is it a Minoc roast? Minoc roast. Best day of your life, my grabby friend. I don't know. You've never been to a Minoc roast on Ardinia. It's nuts. Yeah. Nice. What's a Minoc? A Minoc are those like weird butterfly-ish bat things that attack Leia and Han uh, in the cave on Empire Strikes Back. We roast those? I thought it would be like a buffalo. No, it's those disgusting like butterfly moth things. Ew. Oh, yeah. They're super gross. A Minoc roast. It's nuts. He yeah. describes it's nuts. He's got great quotes. He's got great pipes. He sounds so much like John Favreau, um, but everything he says is gold. Mm. I'm a big Rio fan. Uh, tell so, us, tell us about the girl, Han. Is she nice? Does she have sharp, sharp teeth? teeth? Oh my God! There's some great quotes. We'll do the quotes in just one second. Let okay. me ma- hand out the the master question for me. Okay. Uh, so where does Beckett want to go to learn to play the valachord after the score? Oh, I don't know. We're gonna clear our debts. Go back to Leon's. And I'm finally going to learn how to play that valachord. Babe, you're never going to learn how to play the valachord. She's right. You are tone deaf. Where? Gleon Sam. Was valachord part of your question as well? Did you modify it? No. Mine my, my was the inverse. I have in brackets where he goes to learn to play the valachord. Oh, of course. <laughs> Gleon Sam. Gleon Sam. Do we know anything about that? Just like a quiet countryside kind of planet? I guess so. It's all I have. Never even heard of that one before. So it probably was created for Solo. I think so is Ardenia. Right, okay. But although I have to say I, I like the Ardenian species. I thought it was cool. Yeah, but like, I mean, you've said many times they just create new aliens rather than mm-hmm. expounding on what they've already created. I would love, and like, and we'll talk about this later on as well in the news updates, but right. I mean, Jesus Christ, give us a main character in a live action movie who's an alien for yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah, why not? Like. It's ridiculous, one that we've actually seen before, like a Twilight or something. Quotes, uh, sorry I punched your face. It happens more than you would think. Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah. Um, oh, he killed him too fast? Yeah, kill him slower. <laughs> the Stormtroopers, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> that was good. Uh, Beckett, uh, you have any idea what it's like to live with a price in your head? Oh, that's so valuable. Such a key, key line. It's, it, 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 we could call the episode to live with a price on your head, or we could call it uh, you're a hell of a pilot. Uh, I had the temporary title as um, This Kid's Growing on Me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. No, I don't like that because Alden Ehrenreich did not ultimately grow on me. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. Everyone needs someone, even a broken down old crook like this one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, All right, here's a, here's a quote that I, just, I have a problem with. Chewbacca? Well, you're going to need a nickname because I ain't saying that every time. So what's your name anyway? <laughs> Chewbacca? <laughs> All right, well, you're going to need a nickname because I ain't saying that every time. I loathe this line. I I know you do, yeah. and I, I hate it too. The problem is, the major problem with this is, it's not even intended to be what it is. Okay. So he says Chewbacca. He's, a, he's shortening what Chewbacca's saying. So what Chewbacca's actually saying in Shrewook is not... My name is Chewbacca. He's saying, "My name is Chewbacca, son of Lubaka, or and and, and <laughs> son of Arathorn, and in Kubaka, and my son." He says like this. He says his family tree. Okay. And so Han responds with Chewbacca. I'm not going to be saying that. Okay. So this was explained by. Um, so it was a bad line reading, Jonathan Casden on Alden's part. Uh, no, it was explained by Jonathan Casden, but either they didn't write in the script or they didn't. Uh, subtitled Chewbacca when they intended to yeah or something along those lines but it's the same way when BB-8 says I've got a bad feeling about this and how I fucking hate that in The Last Jedi 
Sure, you can say that's what it is, no. but we also need to know that. No, that's not good enough. So, and, and that's the way I view this. I get what you were trying to do, and so it's not as stupid as I initially thought, but that's not a good enough reason for you to have not explained that the first time. Maybe I just don't understand what what you mean, but... So he I, says, so what's your name? He says, Chewbacca, and like, but his last name... I get that. I, I get that, but ultimately... Mm. Han Solo says Chewbacca question mark well yeah. I'm not saying that every time and that's supposed to explain why he calls him Chewie no. which we don't need a reason why he calls him Chewie no shit it's very obvious if your name is Christopher I don't need you to give me background on why you go by Chris yeah it's... or even Topher I can figure it out yeah that's right we're fine yeah and so it just seems like they're trying too hard to be like and this is how you got what you love from Star Wars well I mean freaking they just gave us solo last time and i like that though i liked it too but this is just another one of those ones where if you do too many of these things eventually fans are gonna fucking hate one of them yeah and that's exactly how i felt yeah i agree uh speaking of line readings that gets to kind of a funny thing where and i did like this line after uh uh chewie says some stuff about his family and uh han says i'm not sure if he said family or tribe Hmm. and beckett says what's the difference but he says i'm gonna not i'm not gonna say this well but he goes What's the difference? What's the difference? <laughs> and I was like, it's interesting that he says it like Brando, <laughs> considering what Brando represents when you're having a discussion about the parameters and definition of family. Yeah. That's Do, does that make sense? That might be really reaching. That's a reach for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, it just, I found it funny that he said it with he a, did say it with kind a of weird, weird voice. Speaking of the way people say things, I really like the way that Han said, little close there, buddy. When Chewie almost gets his head banged off by the side of the mountain. Oh, yeah. I just love the way he said it. It was very original trilogy. Okay, it sounded right to you. It was like Han yelling at Chewbacca for fixing the Falcon wrong in the hangar on Hoth. Speaking of the way people say things, Rio pronounces Wookiee Wookie. three times. I love it. He says Wookiee thrice. Whoa, is that a Wookiee? Incredible. You will never have a deeper sleep than curled up in a Wookiee's lap. Plus, have you ever tried to disinvite a Wookiee to anything? Not a good idea. <laughs> like, those are some good lines. Good character. So what's your story, Flyboy? Does he know he's a pilot at this point? I mean, yeah, because Han's so. trying to say, like, oh, yeah, I want to get... Sh- I guess it's Leia who, who famously shouldn't know that he's a Flyboy, but she calls him Flyboy. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, just up here, planning retirement, thinking about opening a cantina somewhere. Warm, not too warm, you know? <laughs> right. I think that's all I got, you know? For uh, for thoughts on this on this twenty, it was a good twenty, and and just in general, I find the the pitter patter of it pretty good, which I guess is kind of always what we've known about this movie. This movie is fun. Mm. Yeah, the movie is fun. I uh, I've got a few more quotes and things. Okay, uh, just one couple here from Han. What's an Enfys nest? Yeah, I thought that was really just a good line, just in movie making, okay. because Enfys nest is not a name that is realistic if he were to say who is enfys nest right i mean then we would just have to assume enfys nest is a star wars name i don't know but i I like the what is an enfys nest because it's potentially and almost definitely an alias no i i I agree i found it harmless but i don't necessarily think it was like brilliant writing and i'll i'll equate it to the cliche in movie making where somebody says something like really brainy and they say like a lot of jargon and then somebody else goes english please it's kind of like somebody comes in and they don't, they're not, it's, they're not from here. And it's just kind of one of those easy ways to expose something. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. 
what else is there? Oh, when Han and Chewie are in the shower together. Yes. Uh, we couldn't have done this like maybe one at a time. There was an interesting thing that followed the shower sequence. Uh, and I don't know. I don't think John Williams did the music for this movie, right? No. There's a weird thing he did where one song. They uh, there's a song that transitions them out of the shower sequence, and they do this like big aerial shot. Yes. And there's a lot of percussion in it, which doesn't feel. It feels more contemporary than we're used to from orchestral Star Wars music. It 100% feels more contemporary. I noticed that too. Which is okay. Which I don't usually like. There's there's like a lot of drums similarly in. Like the big celebration song at the end of Phantom Menace. It's not like we don't use drums in Star Wars, but mm. there's something contemporary about that music that I kind of didn't, I didn't feel Star Warsy about. Yeah, no, that I think that's very fair. I, in in retrospect, I definitely agree that it it doesn't necessarily it, it could have captured an intensity prior to a heist. Yes, with some Star Warsy music, I thought that would have been a little bit more appropriate. Right. Um. The fact that Chewie's like supposed to be this great brute. I mean, like he is, I guess that's what he's kept there for. But still, I don't ever feel threatened by Chewbacca. He still just seems like a teddy bear. He's very easy to turn into a softy. Yeah, I thought that was a a bit of a, I don't know, maybe if you call it a mistake. I would have liked to have seen him rip the arms off of Unkar Plutt in uh, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Because it's in a deleted scene. Really? So it would have been great. Yeah. Why do they cut that kind of thing out? Did it make it a kid's movie? I think just to make it shorter. I guess. So cut little things here and there. Right. Um, Enfys Nest. How the friggin' hell is she able to dodge blaster bullets from Beckett on the train? Yeah, it's kind of dumb. She's not force sensitive. Also, let go or die. Is oh my line. God, that was a bad line. I actually yeah. forgot to write that down, but that was an awful line. Yeah. Um, I like her suit, though. I like her voice. Uh, suit's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, it just, in my opinion... A horrendously unnecessary character yeah, too yeah kind of We're, we we have enough obstacles like it's yeah. not really that valuable well and that's the thing like this is the the early setup like it, the empire isn't remotely threatening in this 20 no like make it the empire that's at least a little bit of a threat in this case yeah make it the cops because the empire like they're a bit of a looming threat during kessel but they really don't ever come into play in no. this movie they're just a looming threat constantly. It's another thing they were saving for the sequel, which yep. will never happen. 100%. Only one more thing for the 20 for me, uh, and that would be with the range troopers again, just how cool their magnetic boots were. You mean on top of the cage? Yeah. Yeah. Just it, everything about those, like the troopers, the train, like the Empire had some cool shit in the mountains. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and kill him slower. That felt like a Lord and Miller line to me. Well... I really, in retrospect, think we were shafted. I think Lord Miller probably would have made a better something movie. a little better. I don't know. I don't know if I feel that way. Like at this point, I don't care enough about what we got to have not wished that we had gotten Lord and Miller. Knowing what they're really good at, and I don't discredit them. Knowing what they're really good at, I I I think it was smart to fire them because because they make meta stuff. They make self-aware stuff that Star Wars. There's no room for in Star <laughs> Wars. Also, them uh, getting fired gave them more time to work on Spider-Verse, which, which is was yeah. an unbelievable movie. Mm. Um, I just don't think they're the right ones for it. I think they're too no, tongue-in-cheek. I, I agree, but I also don't think that they were necessarily the right ones ever, and right. I don't think Ron Howard coming in necessarily saved anything. You couldn't save it. It was broken. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think they made that under the circumstances, what I got, I would I would roll the dice on 
time travel to go back and get Lord and Miller's version because I wouldn't be heartbroken to lose this one. I guess so. Just that's kind of the way I'm viewing it. Okay, and that's an that's interesting way to put it. There's not enough stakes. And if the other one had even had a little bit more stakes, that would be enough for me. I don't think by firing them we made the we no, made the but plot for example, less. we also think that potentially Proxima was near the end, so like, potentially the whole movie plays backwards. Well, I do agree that uh, we talked about this off mic before that that Kessel was was just a throwaway line when it was first mm. designed in the original Star Wars, and for whatever reason, it was an arbitrary thing that people kind of clung onto, and so they decided to make a movie about it because mm. it seemed crucial to the background of Han Solo when it wasn't. They really should have just been like, remember that time we mentioned Kessel? Well, here it is. Now we're going to get to our movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right. Probably would have gone better the other way around. And in retrospect, if you think about what they were going to do for a trilogy, and if you only ever got one movie, it's... Like I know it maybe it's not that original, but Jabba the Hutt should have been a key, 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 key part of this movie. Yeah, you're right. It's just it it one hundred percent whether you change Dryden Voss or you change Enfys Nest or you change Kira or you change Beckett, any of these fucking antagonists, make one of them Jabba the Hutt. Wait a second. Do you think that Han's uh childhood sweetheart should have been Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> No, but you know what I mean. These are all different. Um, Darth Maul, like Darth Maul, so many different. Well, so many different. Well, I, I don't agree that because then it's not. That's not enough of a reveal. That doesn't really show me anything. If Jabba is going to play a role, I want Jabba to be Dryden Voss in this situation. Whereas in the end, Beckett, like Han, is able to look good in front of Jabba because Beckett's the one who betrays him, and so Han's able to make it look like Beckett betrayed Jabba or but something. But don't you think that Jabba the Hutt is kind of small time compared to Dryden, Dryden Voss? No. Oh my God, no. The Huts are the biggest, like... I know they own a planet, but it seems like Dryden Voss owns more than that. Well, Dryden Voss is a second-in-command in Crimson Dawn, so there's a series of cartels that would kind of generally run the the, the syndicates in the, the underground world of the Star Wars galaxy, and there's the Huts... Uh, and then there's the the Black Sun and uh, Crimson Dawn and um, oh, there's a few more of these ones. Uh, I can't remember; they're all slipped my mind because I haven't seen Clone Wars in a year or so. Yeah. Uh, but there's like they, there's a lot of different, I guess, kind of criminal organizations. And I would say the Huts are kind of a little bit different in that they don't necessarily. Um, they're not necessarily out for blood in the same way, but they're without a doubt out for theft and money and making themselves richer. And you do not fuck with the huts. Right. Okay. They are like, they have a high pristine level. Like they're seen as the, Oh, you don't steal from the hell's angels sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So Jabba is like, he, he definitely does have some, some badassery. Let's get to the news. Yeah. There's plenty of it. I'm sure. Um, so just, uh, before I uh, actually, while I was on my way over here, I saw this and it's uh, a book that's coming out and it's not coming out in hard copy. Okay. It's coming out only as an audio book. Oh, fun. Which is really cool. Cause that's how I consume all of my Star Wars. It's like books. radio play. Well, um, that's the, that's how they are done anyway. Yeah. And so it's incredible the production value and how much more engaging it can be and how we, I, I, I love it. Uh, but anyway, so they're coming out with Dooku Lost Jedi. Ooh. Uh, so I'm. I'm excited about that. So what's the value of not printing it? I don't know. I, there must I, be a reason. I haven't, I'm not quite sure, but it's supposed to be about uh, Dooku and Ventress. That's and So good. my guess is it's going to take place around the time 
um, of like halfway between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, I'd okay. say. Maybe closer to Attack of the Clones. Um, so like training uh, Ventress off in like the side. We've already seen Ventress's kind of story arc come to an end in Dark's Disciple, the book, and is a phenomenal character. Phenomenal character. And it'll be really cool to see Dooku's turn. Yes. So I'm, I'm super excited about that one. Uh, it's coming out at the end of April. Uh, and so just found out about that. Sounds great. Uh, there is, for those who are going to Star Wars Celebration, the uh, Master and Apprentice book. Okay. I'm going to show it to you here. Anyone else can look it up. But there is a limited edition uh, cover art for it if you go to Star Wars Celebration and buy it there. And it is just so damn cool. Okay, you're showing me a picture. Uh, oh, so cool. We've got Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. <laughs> One of those books where you open it up and the cover kind of wraps around the back. Yeah, so it's them back to back, and they're just going up against a war yeah. of like alien species. There's something just very a... comforting about the pair of them. Yeah, especially when removed from that movie, which is obviously kind of uh, a struggle. It's just everything is so comforting about Qui-Gon. Yeah, that's true. Like, you place me into the Star Wars universe, 100%, 100% I want Qui-Gon as my master. I know. He's just like the best. Yeah, he is. Um, also, uh, Taika Waititi yeah. has been, uh, they released a shot. John Favreau took a picture of him doing some voiceover work, uh, with a picture next to, uh, an IG-88. So, oh yeah, we, or at least an IG droid, but I can only assume is IG-88 because we know IG-88 is a character that's going to be in the Mandalorian. So it's cool to actually hear a voice that'll go along with that. Right. Uh, as well, uh, Werner Herzog. So it was he mentioned uh, yesterday or this morning uh, that he has a small role in the Mandalorian, a voice so, role, I think. Uh, he didn't say that necessarily. I know that, um, uh, but I know that specifically, it's a it's a villain. So he yeah. plays a bad guy in that he only wanted to do a role that because he he feels like he can present a villainous, uh, he can present a real dark villain well on screen. But that's about it in his mindset. Sounds to and, me like he wanted to do a role that was going to get killed off. Yeah. He didn't that, want to commit to too much. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. He wanted something that was going to be small. It would allow him to kind of flex his villain muscles so that he could get like a little bit of a taste of that and then and then be done. So yeah. not likely to be a major, major player in the show, though. Probably not. But he's he's obviously a legend. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, Obi-Wan fam film. Okay. So, like the Vader one? Yeah. Uh, Jamie Costa, he's a very, very famous uh, celebrity impressionist. He has essentially the best Robin Williams impression in the oh, world. Oh, I, I know that guy. Yeah, you yeah. would know who he is. He also is one of the best Han Solo impressions in the world, and also one of the best Ewan McGregor Obi-Wans. Weird. And so he's doing a fan film uh, a la like, Star Wars theory quality. Um, but is he going to get shut down? It's going to be kind of the same sort of thing, probably, where it's he'll put his own budget into it. However, he won't have to spend as much money because it's the desert versus uh, having to kind of recreate the inside of a spaceship. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, and so his his budget may not be as bad, but I don't know. It's the same sort of reason as like with Star Wars Theory. I'm sure he's cl uh, checking all the boxes to make sure that he doesn't have anyone put uh, a claim on his video. He's going to go like film it in like Nevada or Arizona or one of those places? Yeah, who knows? Okay. But, I mean, he, he's a good actor, and he did a Han Solo fan film that was... He did a good Han Solo. It just wasn't a great fan film, in my opinion, but it, okay. was, a good, it was certainly a good Han Solo. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm at least interested to see it. Could be good. Sure. Uh, we talk about this poster. We can talk about this poster in one more thing. Okay. 
the last thing before the poster, because obviously, oh, two more things. <laughs> Sorry. Because okay. this is the big one. We want to end on that one. Okay. Uh, Hayden Christensen is going to be at Star Wars Celebration. I heard that. So that is cool. Is that is that anything more than just Hayden Christensen at Star Wars Celebration? Or is, or is this to, to preempt something? It is the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace. Wow. Which Hayden Christensen isn't in. Correct. So he won't be on that panel. Correct. He won't be on the Clone Wars panel because he doesn't do the voice. Correct. He won't. I mean, be, he could just be there as like an, obviously a crucial Star Wars family member. But my like, there he is no he has no reason to be there, and neither is Ian McDermott. But the two of them are there. But and the only thing is, it's not like they're going to announce that these two guys are in no, Episode Nine. No, but it would not shock me if one or both of them has a small cameo uh, in a flashback or hologram. Um, I agree, but that's the kind of thing you gotta let people realize in the theater. They're never going to, no, of yeah. course. But having them there is the tease that that is that that's all people will get. Yeah, but that is a tease. So as much as it's not telling anyone anything, having them there is something. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's true. And the last thing before we get into uh, a very interesting bit of poster uh, is Darth Revan. Uh, do you know who Darth Revan is? Yeah, I know the name. Darth Revan is one of the most popular characters in Legends. Okay. And so at the turn, you could say like Darth Revan, um, Thrawn, probably the probably the two most popular uh, of all of the non of all of the characters to not officially make the transition to canon. Okay. Thrawn eventually came into Rebels, and then they did books, and so he made his way into canon. But Darth Revan never has. He doesn't technically exist yet. He does not technically. He was almost put in an episode of The Clone Wars, the same way Darth Bane was, uh, but he wasn't. He was taken out at the last minute uh, because George Lucas uh, didn't want him to have the ability to um, retain consciousness uh, after death. Okay. And so he wasn't able to... So the initial idea he had for Revan, he took out. Okay. But uh, Galaxy here, uh, Galaxy of Heroes, which is just a mobile game for Star Wars, but is developed by Disney and under their brand, has brought Darth Revan back into canon. Okay, how? So it's just as, like, you, you get little teams, you get characters from the Star Wars world, and it's just a stupid little mobile game that you go up against one another. But Darth Revan is now a character added to it, which reintroduces him back into the canon. Hopefully for something a little bit more interesting. Yes, hopefully for something to do with either uh, video games, Benioff and Weiss, recreating a book. Like, I mean, I don't necessarily think we need to go and reuse any of the characters that were created in Legends in the Old Republic, except Darth Bane, because he has significance. Um, but Is this Darth Revan an Old Republic cat? Uh, yeah, so Darth Revan is the main character in that in the Old Republic. Oh, uh, so then he's got to be in Benioff and Weiss's. That's got to he's got to be very crucial to their story. Not necessarily. He has a very interesting story. So he was both one of the greatest Sith and greatest Jedi of his time. Okay, uh, he had uh, his memory erased. All the Sith were one of the great Jedi's. Uh, but he was he was both in the sense that he was a Jedi, then a Sith, and then a Jedi again. I see. And so he had his memory erased after he was a Jedi, joined the dark side because of his power that he had and had no memory but if you have all that power and no training what are you going to do join the dark side true and then he slowly found his way back okay so very very interesting character but it's cool that he's back in also he had a really badass helmet and had a purple lightsaber so people always love that so i'm looking at this poster yep let's dive in it is the leaked poster for star wars episode 9 with no title on it but it is with Dote has some uh i, I some just tidbits in it some I, things i feel a little bit like this leak is not a leak. 
that they put this out on purpose because it's just too convenient for them how little it exposes. It's just like, this is exactly what they want us to see. Well, no, no, I, I definitely think it's a leak. There's no way in hell they would want, they would not have the control over this to be able to decide when this is leaked. I this, will say it's a little grainy. It is grainy, and it's also believed to be a, a Target or Walmart poster. It's a re- It's called a retail poster, and so it's not necessarily going to be used as like an official film poster because it doesn't even have the damn title on it. It's not commercial. Oh, but they're going to have the title on it. If they're going to sell posters exactly. in one of those flap racks at Target. Not necessarily. That is absolutely not necessarily true. I've absolutely seen them with just Star Wars on them because okay. these are created before the title's released or they're created to just send out so that you can flood the stores with a bunch of merch early on. To be honest, the majority of leaks that come from... Um, Star Wars cross the board yeah. are from toys and shit yep. like that. No, I know. And Lego is a perpetual leaker of things yeah. just by accident. And so it wouldn't shock me if somebody just scanned this at a Target. Just going to say this. I hate this poster. It's sloppy. I, I hate it. I think I think it's really bad. I, I, I think I think I, Star, Star Wars posters always just kind of look like a big... Uh, Clusterfuck? Well, yeah, a collage. And that's okay. It was mm. going to look like that. But it... It looks like a fan-made poster. Like, I don't understand the way Kylo's holding his lightsaber. I don't. I don't understand why the most prominent part of it is a row of a bunch of stormtroopers. I okay. Well, let's. let's it just dive, looks let's... like a Last Jedi poster that somebody repurposed. Well, I don't disagree. I don't agree with that because there's no Luke, there's no Leia. Kylo's not exactly wearing- though. No, like, but my they, point is- that's what that's what I mean about the convenience of it. It's like it doesn't show us any of the new characters in any kind of that's not true revealing way. It shows you like so many new characters. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, the actors or whatever. There's this girl in like the purple that's jacket. Ki- that's Carrie Russell. How do we know? Because of other leaks. Okay, and so that's Carrie Russell, who's most likely a bounty hunter of sorts. Uh, above her is Naomi Aki, who is most likely Lando's daughter. Don't even talk to me about the Knights of Ren, who look like they're posing for the Adams Family reboot. Now, the Knights of Ren part, someone I saw somewhere said it looks like they're waiting for a bus. I hate which them. is super funny. They do, um, and it very likely like they also look clumsy. They look like a goofy bunch. Oh, I, I think they're going to look menacing as fuck. That's why I'm disappointed by how they look in this poster. I don't think they look goofy at all. Look at the guy who's um, kind of in the middle, who's a little bit more... Stocky? Uh, yeah, he's fucking terrifying. I don't know. They're all like looking at us. I find that very silly. Three, I, I 3PO very much, holding Chewie's crossbow. Uh, 3PO, uh, there's a few things I'm going to chat about that, but like 3PO holding the crossbow is a little bit odd, but goes to show that it's probably not fan-made because that's weird as hell. Um, yeah. also that weird slug alien next to Finn. Yeah. Like, why is this thing significant? This has already been a leaked character that we saw and now it's made the main poster over Force Ghost Luke and, uh, Kelly Marie Tran and Dominic Monaghan and- Maybe like, that's Matt Smith. Like, Jesus, is this thing going to be actually significant? I hope not. Maybe. Uh, but- for like reasons like that and like the Naomi Aki, like, there's no way this is a fan-made poster. And I don't believe it's necessarily a final version of anything because, yeah, like you said, there's sloppy things. And the way that Kylo Ren's holding the lightsaber is so fucking stupid. I agree. I don't get it at all. I don't. I can't even understand ergonomically why you would hold a lightsaber that way. The way that it's done is similar to the way Ahsoka holds her lightsaber. So Ahsoka dual wields lightsabers and holds them upside down in some instances. Okay. And so it is a way of fighting, and it can be done. 
However, Kylo Ren's never done that before. And it's just weird under the circumstances. Like, it fits the old kind of like um, swinging the big sort of King Arthur sword style and the way you would swing that. But it just doesn't work for this because it's so prominently uncomfortable looking. Under his lightsaber hilt is three more stormtroopers in white above the row of 30 stormtroopers in a red hue it just seems like they're filling space there yeah so the stormtroopers with the red hue are what's called the elite 709th uh, fury troopers okay which is likely a throwback to vader's 501st he had a specific group of troopers who were his own these ones apparently report to the knights of ren they do not report to um the first order Okay. They're the Knights of Ren stormtroopers. And so they're kind of like an elite force. There is also potential, and this is just an assumption of mine, and that some people on the internet are also saying is uh, that remember when Kylo mentioned a suggestion to Hux in episode seven about a clone army? Right. Kylo's in charge here. Right, that's true. And look at those helmets. Now, what they're looking onto is an open space field with just like a bunch of uh, Imperial... Uh, starships that were you like there's the star destroyer and then the uh, the the tie fighter there it's just kind of filling space it's not as bad as if you scroll directly above chewbacca and is that naomi Aki? there's three uh good guy ships pointing perfectly vertical and it looks terrible it looks like microsoft clip art they look like emojis they don't look very good they You're look right. like emojis they, i don't necessarily think they look like emojis but they look pretty stupid i agree i hate this poster yeah i mean it's not the best poster but I think it says a lot. I mean, Poe looks cool as hell. Um, yeah, Ray's all in white like we expected. We don't get to see a whole lot about the Graflex. It looks like there's maybe potentially a red uh, or darker um, just ad- adhesive. Isn't it kind of interesting they decided or, to put her lightsaber or, in this poster at all, though? Or band that's connected it in the middle. But by the looks of it, it's, it's not going to be that changed. The lightsaber's going to be pretty similar to what we're used to. So I guess. I don't think that's going to be a whole lot changed. But like, much like... Uh, Kylo Ren's mask, which was destroyed in the last movie, I know. I know that the leaks have exposed that he's going to have it repaired with the little red adhesive or whatever. But like the destruction of the Graflex should not be uh, 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 retracted in the poster at Target. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, the whole point of this, though, Colin, is it's without a doubt not meant to be coming out before April twelfth. There's no way in hell they wanted this coming out before Celebration. I guess. And so I, I see that as they would have announced this stuff already. I mean, we're going to see the lightsaber in the trailer. And so in their minds, Probably. we would have already seen the trailer before this. Maybe not. You might not see the lightsaber in the trailer. They're not going to show much in this trailer. I think they will. I mean, I don't like, what are we supposed to think? That she's not going to have a lightsaber? No, I don't think that. But I think that there are certain things I want to keep under their hat that are supposed to be gratifying when you see them in the theater. Yeah. Like, I, like I've often said, like, they do not have to give us much to get people to go to this movie. No, but I think that there's going to be enough of those things, and there better fucking be, of, like, Vader references and, like, key turning points and Force Ghost Luke and everything that they do with Leia and, right. like, flashbacks. They can show us something like Ray's lightsaber. Because literally, what the fuck are they going to show us if not? Fair enough. Just a but, bunch of Finn and Poe running around? Fair enough. But to your point, uh, that I don't want to see Leia in the trailer. And no. We, and we probably will. They're going to show us I, Leia I wouldn't the be against them if they showed the same, what they showed of her in like the uh, the Last Jedi trailer, it's which probably, is just her ominously looking out. It's probably how they're going to end the trailer. So that people feel really friggin' psyched and emotional at the end of the trailer. 
Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I think they're going to end the end of the trailer on either, like, Force Ghost Luke or, like, an intense, intense, like, Rey becoming, like, a Jedi. It's going to end with, like, a power moment, I don't think. I think Leia, that if it ended with Carrie Fisher, that would be... You don't think it could be her, like, saying the word hope? Maybe. I would... I, oh, sorry, I didn't think about it in the way of actually her, like, delivering anything. Yeah. Like, if you have her deliver a line, then maybe. I was thinking it more of like a shot of her and then I was like, I don't see how that's like, I, I, but like the way you end a Star Wars thing, it's got to have some, oomph. I just think of, of course, I just think of that shot of Kylo Ren igniting his, um, lightsaber in the Starkiller base forest. Right. For the first force awakens trailer. That's just how cool that was. Is that all we got for this podcast? Uh, yeah, I all think right. that's everything. I want to wish a couple of happy birthdays. Oh. Go ahead. Sorry. Just one more thing. Uh, I did want to mention this up cause this is a rumor that I heard and, uh, or sorry, Janna, we also know Janna is the name of Naomi Aki's character. Okay. J-A-N-N-A-H. And uh, Zori is the name of uh, the purple-suited uh, character who we're almost definitely certain is Carrie Russell. Do we think Janna is a Calrissian? I think so. I, I, however, initially, the character's rumored to be named Caro. Right. And then Vera. And now we're hearing Janna. So because of the frequent name changes... I'm less confident of the last name being Calrissian than before. Yeah, they just might be trying to find the name that suits Calrissian best. Yeah, potentially. And that potentially just some early ones were just some ones thrown around. Uh, but also on top of that, uh, one thing I want to bring up is it's a bit of a rumor about the MacGuffin. Because we believe that there's, and are fairly confident there's going to be a MacGuffin in this movie. Some device is going to drive the plot forward. And it's going to be controversial of sorts, but familiar. Okay. And so some people have believed that it's going to have to do with it's potentially Vader's helmet, Vader, Vader's lightsaber, a little bit more likely, um, something to do with Palpatine. Uh, but this very, very, very cool theory out there is relating to 3PO, because 3PO is said to have a more prominent role in this movie, and that the MacGuffin is two-part, and that it's the Tantive Four, and that they go back and find it, and that the true MacGuffin is 3PO's memories. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. You know what I also like? That uh, the first Star Wars was about R2 and episode nine could be about 3PO. I think that would be incredible. It's not bad. Like, I love the notion that 3PO's memories of Anakin are what's able to bring Kylo back. That's or something not like that. bad. Oh, that's not bad. That could be pretty cool. All right, let's leave it at that. Yep. Uh, happy birthday this Sunday, March 31st to Ewan McGregor. Nice. A big one. That Get this. One. Next Tuesday, the 2nd, happy birthday to Alec Guinness. Oh, look at that. Uh, two days apart from their birthdays. Hmm. And next Wednesday, uh, March 3rd, April 3rd, happy birthday to Ben Mendelsohn. Ah, good old Ben Mendelsohn. It's a shame that we only got one movie with him in it. But, he was like uh, really well suited to Star Wars. He was so good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll see him come back and play a major antagonist in the Cassian TV show. Oh, that's very possible. The Cassian Andor show. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm into that. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think that would really work. There's a lot that can be done with that. I think, um, oh, what's his name? Is it, um, I think uh, Forrest Whitaker may also be a celebration. Right. Which, in my opinion, hints that he could be playing a role in Cassian. And okay. it only makes sense for him to be playing a role in that. Yeah, better utilize him than he was used in Rogue One. Absolutely. Game. He is the the far extremist rebel. Yeah. He is the terrorist rebel. He's the Bernie Sanders. No. He, <laughs> no, he's the... Um, he's I don't the, know. He's the Tea Party. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. All right. 
If you want to be uh, if you want to be ready for next week's podcast, watch the first hour of Solo: A Star Wars Story. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on this week's this week's episode or any other. Email uh, recorder six six at gmail.com or tweet us recorder sixty six podcast. Do I have that right? Do I have that backwards? I have no idea. I don't know. You you'll, say it every week, so I've lost. Track. You'll figure it out. Rate and review on iTunes, and uh, until we're together again, may the force be with you.